heaven hi hello i th- i did that so you could understand <laughs> oh good yes because i am currently in the midwest or just the middle as it should more accurately be called no the mid not anywhere near the west yes actually slightly closer to the east than the west I'm sitting with my feet almost dangling in Lake Superior at the moment, which would be a stupid thing to do as it's very cold. Where, so you're in Chicago? No, at the moment I am in Duluth, Minnesota. Oh, why would you go to Minnesota of all places? Well, I just popped in to say hello to Moss Jawane. Oh. Baby. Did they know you were coming or was it a surprise? It was a surprise. <clears throat> Sadly, another... Uh, 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 an uncle from her side of the family had decided to arrive by surprise that morning. <laughs> so it was slightly too many surprises for one day, and my, my thunder was shot. What a knob. Yeah. I hate that guy. He did make us dinner, though, because he used to be a chef. Oh, I'll forgive him. Rum okay. Doings, episode 190. You can email us, podcast at rumdoings.com, and you can tweet us at rumdoings. You can also access us on uh, rec.arts.recordings.rumdoings on Usenet. <laughs> and our bulletin board address? Uh, well, you have to dial in, obviously. Um, yes. 01, because it's in London, 726-8968. Good. Glad that's settled. And make topic... sure, oh, by the way, you, 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 we, we, only, we operate at a maximum of um, 1,200 board, so don't try getting any quicker. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And also, if, if Laura's speaking on the phone, because for yes. some reason she has a phone in London, then um, you won't be able to get through. It'll be engaged. You'll have to wait. <laughs> okay, that's all sorted. Now, we, now everybody knows how to get to us. I do worry about how young people are supposed to survive in the world without the experience of picking up the phone and having it scream in their ear. <laughs> that would be a sad... Toby shall never know that. Really? First of all, he'll never know what I, what I mean by a telephone. No, that's true. The Tele- first thing he won't know. This big, curly-whirly-corded thing. Telephone. Telephone. He probably also won't know what, what other arcane bits of technology won't he know. Um... Probably floppy disk, uh, welfare state, it'll, NHS. NHS, yeah. <laughs> Daddy, what's NHS? Oh, it was one of those funny little devices Daddy used when he was... Don't a... ask your father about the NHS, you'll set him off again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The topic today... Yes. Should Miley Cyrus be forced to apologise for her under- underarm hair? Oh, yes, there was a Daily Mail story which revealed that she... No, did... don't talk about it! Well, I just, well I, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to give context because there's a Daily Mail story that revealed that she lifted up her arm and there was some <gasps> hair there under. That's the end. You can't talk any further. That's it. It's a disgrace. I hope she does apologise. I hope so because I'm still in I... severe trauma. My whole family is absolutely devastated. I hope you didn't let Toby get anywhere near the screen when those images were flickering up. No, thank goodness he was out. Oh, thank heavens. Can you imagine what he would have done if he'd have seen it? What if he'd seen the nipple at the top? That doesn't bear thinking about. He'd he would... be sexually traumatised for life. He would have. He might have been put off his bottle. <laughs> he'd, have been... <laughs> he'd have been put off his, uh, his, his plastic teat. <laughs> yes. So, oh, this plastic teat looks a little bit like a lady's nip-nops and I'm not going to put it in my mouth anymore. That would have been a disaster. 
I hope that uh, I have nowhere to go with that thought. <laughs> I hope <laughs> this is that. good stuff. We're already on, we're already on fire. Pow pow pow! Episode of the year. <laughs> Episode of the year. So, are you enjoying a new coalition? The <laughs> coalition between David Cameron and Satan. Yeah, so you're enjoying. <laughs> yeah, it's worked out really well. I thought that he would start off trying to be a bit more conciliatory and sort of and throw a few sops out. But instead, he went kill the foxes. Woohoo! We're off. Ba 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 ba. People get a bit stupid about the foxes. They go, I don't care about those foxes. Why is everybody making a fuss? I couldn't give a damn. But they don't realise it's the semiotic. Um, yes, of course. Nature of what's going on there, and that no, all working class blood sports were banned, badger baiting, uh, cockfighting, and that kind of thing. The one that wasn't was surprisingly and utterly coincidentally uh, mm. fox hunting. Uh, so symbolically, in getting rid of fox hunting, we were effectively saying we are now in a society where uh, that sort of privilege shouldn't buy you an exemption from. Uh, rules that we've established for others. So in re-establishing fox hunting, what uh, Cameron's effectively saying is, don't worry, boys, we're back. Exactly. And anybody who doesn't realise that and goes, oh, I don't really care how a fox gets killed, is an idiot and should probably be chased by a pack of hounds. <laughs> should. Mm. And, and snooty red men in coats. Yeah, snooty-coated red men. Yeah. That's, uh, that's Laura's maiden name. So you've um, you've got your new uh, satanic coalition. Yes. It, what's it, now you, have you, have you, you've left the country, have you? Yeah, I've left the country. I'm not in the country. <laughs> okay, uh, so that's it. You're done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm going to seek asylum in Minnesota. Uh, also, what's interesting is that some of the things that we predicted are already happening. It's very they they appointed as culture secretary the very man who said he hated the BBC and wanted to get rid of the license fee. So, Ta-da. so all those things that we predicted in a slightly panicky way are just business today. Yeah, that's it. Mm. BBC probably won't make it. Well, obviously it will make it, but it will be a tattered shell of itself in a couple of years time a subscription a couple of subscription services advertising and all the things that he's explicitly said he wants he's now in that man is now in charge well done I... all of all of you who didn't vote by the way because if you the real story as ever is if you actually analyze why the tories won it's because in areas where uh, labor could have gotten in those people who would likely have voted Labour most of the time couldn't be asked to vote. So they said it's not so much the um, it's not so much the shy Tory effect; it's the lazy Labour voter effect. So a well third, done. Well a done. third of the population of the country couldn't be asked to vote. Well done, you horrific people. It's there just, we are. Uh, uh, just makes me a bit cross. I'm not cross with a Tory. It's a stupid thing where people are getting all angry about Tories. And there was an article in The Guardian about this woman self-righteously said she's going to unfriend all her Tory friends on Facebook. <laughs> that was a news story, wasn't yeah, it? They're as, they're as bad as, uh, as racists and homophobes. To be a Tory is as bad as a racist and a homophobe and all that I thought stuff. it was... Sorry, I think... Isn't it a requisite? I thought it was a yeah. requirement. So, but, but no, I would unfriend all your friends. Oh, it, was a, it was a bit rainy. I couldn't be asked. Those yeah. are the ones who are to blame, not the Tories. The Tories are just doing what Tories do. It's like blaming a tiger for mauling a child. You blame the zookeeper for not keeping the gate locked properly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a perfect... Well, pleasant, it's not a perfect analogy. Yeah, it's because perfect. I believe I do believe that uh, Conservatives have some self-will, <laughs> have some free will. Oh, that's just political correctness gone mad. 
Stop pretending. <laughs> they don't, they go in there and they go, oh, taxes, taxes, tax, tax, tax. And then they, and then they, pray, they, they cross the box. That's good, yeah. It's interesting to see that um, UKIP has imploded, though, basically. That was it. I love... Because they're in a position where they... Sh- what they could... Obviously, they got four million votes. So yeah. they claim. Yeah. And, and 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 one MP. So, oh, no, how atrocious. This is a disaster. This is a proof of... No, no, they got their... their <laughs> it's silly. They didn't get four million votes for one person and they're not win. No, and also, this is the party who loves traditional British values and loves first past the post, and then when it doesn't go their way, yes. again, So anyway, so they've got lots of, lots of votes, and, and so there's a, they've got a, a big groundswell, there's a shift toward them, the swing was d- mm. definitely in their direction at this election. Um, they got a man into Parliament, which is a huge step forward. <laughs> what do they do? They start attacking that man. Yes. They start trying to distance themselves from him because, and incredibly, because he's not corrupt enough. Yes. What are you doing not being corrupt, you idiot? We have well, nothing more to do with him. He's refusing to take three quarters, of, uh, two thirds of a million pounds. And, and also, nothing. And also, um, uh, Nigel Farage is, I'm closing down the bureau for an hour. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, that was so lame. He got and it worked though. It worked. He got to look yeah. like he was being noble and obeying his his own promise, and then he got <laughs> sniggering into the back of his sleeve. See, Clegg, that's how you do it. That's <laughs> how you break your pledges. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, but then did you see that uh, one of the main UKIPs was calling him names today as well? Oh no, I didn't see that. Why? Oh, let me see if I can find the story for you. It's a it's a good one. The, uh, just calling uh, Farage a bunch of rude names. Oh, good. Um, oh, it was O'Flynn. The story's moved on. Is now saying he doesn't want him to quit, but I assume they'll summarise. Yeah. Patrick O'Flynn told the Times mm-hmm. that Mr. Farage risked turning the party into a personality cult. Uh-huh. Well, um, I think it already is one. Well, exactly. Mm. Oh, come on, because I hate, I hate it when BBC bury the story in the update on the story. Hmm. Um, he let, oh, it's what he said later. I did the bit where he called him horrible names. Oh, how frustrating! It'll never, never happen. Mind. No, never I don't mind. mind. I don't mind. But yes, he's obviously panicking as he's realizing that. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he said that Nigel Farage is his political hero. Oh, here we go. He's right at the top. It's my fault. Uh, UKIP's economic spokesman has insisted Nigel Farage is his quote political hero. Despite warning, the UKIP leader had become a, quote, snarling, thin-skinned, aggressive man. (laughs) (laughs) My political hero is a snarling, thin-skinned, aggressive man. That's great, yes. These people. (laughs) Oh, the weird thing about Farage, though, when you Mm -hmm. look at him... It's his his human outfit isn't even that convincing. No, it isn't. Like he's got the eyes in the wrong place and the forehead's all the wrong shape. And, and the skin's stretched in a weird way. It's yeah. Just, exactly, it doesn't work. And also, when he wears a suit, it doesn't look right either. It's just, the whole thing is just wrong. I, but if you had your way, everyone would be wearing suits all the time. <laughs> For goodness <laughs> sake. 
you, you, here's John who thinks that humans have never dressed ceremonially ever. And to say so, you, <laughs> just, what a strange thing to say. You're I just a that slave that's of not a man. To force it on people, you you UKIP voting traditionalist. You're just a slave of the man. You should just come in anything you want because you know that's that, that that's the way it is. Like just throw your litter wherever you wanted because aesthetics don't matter. <laughs> Not, it's not the aesthetics of litter that's an issue. It's the it consequences. Is. No, for me, it's just the aesthetics. Oh, it's just the aesthetics. Fair enough. I don't care if a ruddy duck gets its neck caught. I just worry about the aesthetics. <laughs> when I walk through my park, I don't want to see it flecked with, with chav tatter. I think I find that very offensive. I'm sorry. Did I trigger you? Good. I wonder if you could <laughs> tell me if you could tell me whether Tobias is teething yet. He is definitely teething now. Now, the one thing they don't tell you is that teething isn't something that takes a few days and it's all done. It takes about seven years. Everyone's told us that, unfortunately. The uh, Laura seven, spent the last seven years six... of grumb- seven years of grumbling and dribbles. La- the, Laura spent the last six months attributing every every weep, every cheer, every flicker of a movement yes. to teething. Yeah, of course. Oh, he's he's touched his left ear. He must be teething. He's just touching his ear. Yes. He's not teething. I said, this is how we know when he's teething. Because of the teething. Well, yes, and you'll and see. And the teething has now started. And, right. Uh, yes. And now so you know what teething is. Yes, yeah, so it's only, only just started. We haven't even got teeth poking through yet. They're no. Just, they're just doing their business inside the gums. But yeah, he's a very... A couple of days ago, he was a very sad little man. Yeah, it'll take a long time for the teeth to come through. Poor boy. Don't like it when he's sad. It's sad when he's sad. He cries. Yeah. Actual big fat tears. It's the only time he cries is when he's sad. <laughs> Do you know, yeah. funnily enough, he is, he's not a crier. He's a grumbler. He grumbles. So he really? makes his, We talked before about the... Uh, yeah. Uh, noise, which makes me want to kill myself and him. Yes. Um, uh, but he... he, he He's never really been a big crier, so he tends to just make a grumbling, fussy noise and make it clear that he's bored or fed up. Mm. But crying, actual proper bawling his eyes out tears, until very recently, has been reserved for if he hurts himself or um, if he's just way past tired. And now it's his teeth that are hurting himself. Well, no, no, also, he's just in the last three days or so, I would say, started realising it can be used as a weapon. Oh, Right. So he'll sit there and then he'll just not not get his way and meet like he's sat in the one particular chair and we need him to be there. Yeah. And he'll not want to be there. And do everything he can to escape. And then he'll go, Oh, hang on a second, I know what works. And then Laura goes, John, he's distressed. So he's got this new <laughs> he's weapon. Not distressed, you gullible twit. I think you should get the, get the Security Council to uh, propose sanctions against him until he uh, until he gets rid of the, this weapon. I agree. Yeah. I don't know how he was allowed to collect the parts to create it in the first place. No, it's a disgrace. I, th- I think it was probably supplied via North Korea. But my, my and there is I can quite I seem to have either it's instinctive or Laura's just far too controlled by uh, his his magic over her. Uh, but I can quite easily tell the difference between actually oh, yes. crying and fake crying. Yes, yes. Um, before, when he was when he was littler, his fake crying didn't produce any tears, which was such a horrible giveaway for him. He didn't know. Well, yeah. Like, oh, why are you falling for this? Oh God! I hope, um, he's, now, I hope he's perfected his technique by now. But now the big fat tears come rolling out almost instantly, and I just look at him and go, mm-hmm. "No, it's not working." And then he just stops and looks at me. Don't blame it. Yeah, exactly. Dad. When 
Well, also, when you can distract him with a shiny bauble at that exactly. point, it's pretty obvious as well. Yes, yes indeed. Moss He's Jew- now... No, go go on. on. I insist you speak. Well, I was just saying, um, everybody hears their own babies cry as a much more urgent and plaintive tone than it is. I yes. used to think that... Uh, I mean, I think Judith's cry was particularly high-pitched because she screamed like a soprano and it sounded like a policeman's whistle was being blown <laughs> in your ear. But even so, when I hear Moss Duane crying, he sounds like a, like a feeble, bleating goat. And, <laughs> and yet to his parents, he's urgently... It's like the biggest klaxon in the world. <laughs> and I suspect this... Toby, Toby has, however, inserted that again in the last week, has discovered the high range of his vocal... His, the, the heights of his vocal range, I should say. Oh, excellent. Um, he emits this kind of... <clears throat> noise, but far yeah. higher than that. And it goes, he just yeah. does it because he's happy. And it's monstrous, yes. and it makes my ears bleed, and, and it, cannot, it cannot be allowed to continue. And tragically, it seems to have entirely replaced the joyful white noise noise he enjoyed making, where he'd sit there oh, just right. quietly playing with something going... <laughs> to himself, which is well, he, much better. He was, he was just tuning in. It's true. Well, and he's I now got... It. I want to get a, an alphabet chart and cross off, tick or tick off the consonants as he, as he adds them to his vocabulary. That's my plan. Obviously, he was started with the vowels. They get those for free at the start. Yes, of course. Um, he's now got b and m and w. Really, w? He's got w. So he he's goes w and b. He puts b and w together to get b. 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 But boy. no boy. sign of d still. No, there is no, not even on the horizon. Well, because if if d came on the horizon, he'd be forced to say daddy, and he, he doesn't want to. He says, but he says, did I say last time the mama thing? No. He sits there going, mum, mum, mum. So I just get to say, who, who, who's been hurt? Who hurt you? Mum, <laughs> mum. Who do you want to change your nappy to? Oh, yes. Mum, mum. It's brilliant. <laughs> Does Laura like that? She loves it. Yeah. And sadly, yeah, so maybe it's a good thing the D's haven't been added. Of course, the first time he says dada. Yes. Even though it will be, you know, preceded by mama and followed on by baba, I will just it- melt into a puddle of of joyous weeping of course what's what else has been happening in england while i've been away oh we've had such a lovely time yeah and a big party uh-huh. and there was free uh sugar-free sweets for everyone uh-huh it was My- brilliant michael gove is now the um he's the home Sec- justice secretary isn't he that's right the injustice secretary just is now you love michael gove so you no. should be delighted about that. No, I just think that he's... Uh, I, don't, I didn't think he was as right-wing as you suggested, but then I saw the article from 1998 where he... Um, I think he supported the death penalty, so I have to, I have to, I have to push him over the border. Oh, he's, he's crossed out your good books. Well, uh, no, but you know, I have, that's a, my very simple categorisation of whether you're a monster or not. So yeah. he has to go into the monster category. Well, yes, I don't, but I've always judged him not by any of his policies or his time as education secretary, but as his, by his time on the moral maze. Oh, right, yes. That's why I've always based my, my understanding of that ghastly creature on. Not on his time on that weird comedy programme with David Baddiel. Oh, gosh, I forgot that happened. Yeah. <laughs> that was not, it was not a good mix. Although, did you happen to catch any of Jeremy Paxman's attempts at comedy on <coughs> Channel 4? No, that doesn't sound appropriate. I flicked over during the election coverage uh-huh. um, to see the, what Channel 4 were doing. Uh-huh. And it was Paxman trying to deliver comedy lines that had been written for him. And he was doing them all with... Do you remember by the ta- toward the end of Leslie Nielsen's life where he'd completely lost any notion of deadpan? 
Yes, yes. And just and all and he could yeah. do was googly eyes at camera. It was basically yes. that. Oh no. Jeremy Pax was doing googly eyes at camera while over enunciating these these crappy jokes that had been written for him. I'm sure they were very funny. Oh, what a sad thing, especially when you consider... I mean, Andrew Neil did a good job, but Paxman was always a treat <coughs> on election night, especially mm. by three in the morning when he was obviously far too tired to do his job properly anymore and mm. just get cross. I was yeah. thinking about this today, actually. The BBC Breakfast Man, the one who got annoyed Jeremy Hunt a few weeks back and said, oh, you're just making this up as you go along. Yes. Um, said to... Uh, Laura said, snap similarly at, uh, at uh, Theresa May Excellent. this morning. Because uh, she was being, she was announcing that all migrants should be sent back to where they came from. As ever, yes. And apparently, by later in the day, she'd somewhat tweaked her words to be slightly less horrific. Okay. Um, it was just just economic migrants by later in the day. Okay, she she just sort of made a little mistake, a little boo boo. But yes, on. and I was thinking, obviously, uh, while I don't agree with the mm-hmm. principle, obviously, if you were a TV news presenter type person and you're interviewing a politician and, and they said something dreadful, like true, that true, and you, and you stopped and you said, oh, oh, you're just an awful human being. We're done. They would yes. actually, they'd be fine. They shouldn't be. That would be amazing. I would, I would give them a raise. But I understand that's the case. But what I wonder is, is there... Is there somewhere in between the, this sort of pretense of balance where you just allow people to say anything as horrendous as possible and then only query the facts in response and saying that? Is there a, is there a way you could approach journalism, interviewing journalism with a more of a sort of a personal tone? Yes. I would like to see that. I would like to see people just stop and go... Like, I did, yesterday on the Today programme, they had uh, a collection of new... Uh, MPs in the studio, people who are in for the first time, and were oh, asking really? them questions about what it's like to be a new MP. And uh-huh. they could, they would obviously, I don't know whether they, they must medevac them into PR training oh, because gosh. they none of them could answer a question. So Humphreys wasn't trying to do a hard hitting interview, he wasn't trying to trick them into saying anything. He just said, Is it like kind of weird? <clears throat> Basically, his question was, Isn't it just weird being in the Houses of the Parliament for the first time? Isn't it like. How yeah. do you be yourself? And they were saying, well, we're, obviously, we're very pleased that we have this opportunity to counter uh, the terrible policies of them. But, and he went, he went, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear your stump speech. I just want you to answer the question. And they couldn't. They, these people could not talk like human beings. I think that's the biggest problem with politics at the moment. Uh, here's why. I think you have two options if you're a politician, at least if you want to be a good politician. You either are as straight-talking as you can be and just speak in the vernacular and the demotic as a normal human being. Mm -hmm. Very, very few get away with this. Or you are a superb rhetorician and orator. And the problem is these days, MPs don't have the rhetorical tools to get away with it. So they just sound like very uncomfortable robots. Mm. Uh, And if any, I think that annoys me about modern politics more than anything else because politicians have always been compromised and corrupt and uh, and venal and whatever. I mean, you can go back uh, thousands of years right to cuneiform writings and you'll see people complaining about that sort of thing. But it's the inability to do that elegantly that annoys yes. me. Again, as with litter, my life's complaints are primarily aesthetics. I don't really care about morality. <laughs> if you're going to do evil, at least do it in an elegant way. I heard uh, uh, on the election night an SNP politician who and she had been, I, don't, I think she'd been a teacher up until this point. Uh-huh. And then she was one of the surprise, you know, one of these landslide winners. 
And they were saying, oh my goodness, isn't this amazing? Like, the interviewer was like, you must be so excited. This is incredible. You've just, your whole life's going to change. And she said, well, yes, we're very pleased that we've got an opportunity to finally to put what yeah. the Scottish people in. But how? How did it happen in that time? She she didn't think she was going to win and she was already talking like one of them. Already, maybe they inject a sort of fungus into the brain when they, <laughs> once they've got their votes. That it's must incredible. be it. Yes. It's the only explanation. It was horrible. It's like, oh no, don't! Because I, th- I thought, if anything, the SNP is like it's an entire. It's like five hundred and sixty MPs or however many they got of people who, until yesterday, when how long ago was the election? A week ago. Yesterday. It was. It feels like yesterday. It was in fact a week today. Um, they, they, they they were just regular people who, if you got up and asked them the time, would have probably said, looked at their phone and told you the time. No, they won't. Now no, they say, well, it depends on the Conservative Party's no, approach say, to time at this point. Blah, blah, blah. The, uh, go, go on, John. Uh, uh, ask, uh, ask me as a new SNP MP what the time is. Oh, excuse me, excuse me, uh, mate. Do you have the time? The time is now right to deal with the disastrous <laughs> policies left us by the last Labour-dominated Scotland. It's time to start <laughs> acting in the <laughs> name and the responsibilities of the Scots. <laughs> that is what the time is. That's perfect. So yes, exactly. And as as, as that, you see, I, I got a bit of a fungus, and it worked. There you go. It's amazing. Yeah. So MP Tom fungus. Watson is doing a little bit of crowdfunding to try to put himself up as deputy leader of the Labour Party. No chance. But very, very well done. Yes. And it's a nice idea, though, isn't it? Because then there mm. would be a person who can talk like a human being. Yes, unless, of course, as uh, unless, of course, attaining deputy leadership meant that he gets <laughs> That's a fungus. True. More fungus would be injected into him. Yes. Now, obviously, the cure for fungus is video games because Tom Watson is a big video games player. Oh, is he? He can talk like a human. Is he a genuine video games yes, player or a po- poser one? He's a genuine one. Oh, gosh. I don't um, know where he gets the time. But I did once look into his voting record and discover that he had made went to an enormous amount of effort to try to ban fireworks going off in his constituency because they were annoying to people. <laughs> So he's not all, he's not perfect, but um, fireworks, bloody fireworks coming in our country. Yes, from okay. the from the Chinas. Mm. Oh dear. So, but yes, yeah, so and he seems like a nice chap, and so he'd be quite good if he managed to achieve that. But I imagine if you need to crowdfund, you're not going to get there. Going to be Chaka Uma, is it? The I don't leader. know who's going to be the leader. Chaka got Uma. Four is months. Pursuit. They announced. That's another thing you missed. They announced yesterday four months to decide. Oh, yes, and even George Cox said, oh, well done, that'll be four months of uh, unopposed Tory policy. Well done, a golf clap. It's just a genius, isn't it? Four months of uh, uh, to al- allow them enough time to actually go full um, tribal, divide themselves up into the various camps and then don their particular face paints. This, the, You know what this shows? This shows that that pretense doesn't isn't just for the public or for the media, they actually go through it themselves, refusing to believe that they might lose even at the very depths of the party and aligning successes. And yes. they, yeah, it's like they, they actually refused to take the possibility of a very realistic outcome that they wouldn't it's, win. It's very, it's so they very had to lose that. So they actually were deluded if it's if it actually going to take four months, because what should have been happening is there should have been a shadow process of succession, which is what anybody does rationally. But there's, a, there's, a, there's definitely, 
it's, it's, I wonder how much this is, as you say, swallowing their own their own uh, line because the media <clears> is very keen. The, me- the media approach to these things is to say to them in advance: Should yeah. you not win, would you be willing to stand? And of course, at that point, they have to say, "I'm fully behind my leader." Blah 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 blah, and can't say, "Yes, I would stand." But it seems like maybe they've swallowed that into their souls and actually don't even think about it properly. No, that's the point. I, I think that they have, again, the fungus has been a marvellously effective tool. Well, obviously that irascible scamp Yvette Cooper was always wanting to stand, but then she's old guard, so... Yes. So I wonder who will win. She always reminds me of... She looks like she should be playing uh, in a pantomime of the naughty boy who's escaping from school. <laughs> so what's next for video games, then, since you what's mentioned... What's next? It? Yeah, oh, what's I imagine next? It's, it's probably VR, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> you said that the late you said that um, somebody had used the latest VR and said it wasn't that bad. No, the the, the Valve's uh, HTC headset apparently is extremely good. Um, it, as I said before, it'll depend on the price. If it's two hundred pounds or more, it will fail. If it's under that, there's a chance we could have an interesting diversion into VR. But it'll never become ubiquitous. It'll never become what gaming's about. Did you well, notice that 3D TVs are no longer being manufactured? Anything that requires you to plonk something extra on your face is a massive yep. amount of activation energy. Just to find the thing lying about next to the sofa is an issue. Exactly, and then sit at the right angle, yeah. and then you can't just walk in and out the room. And, you and then get a headache. And it's just, yeah, so 3D TV, obviously doomed, obviously never going to work, but there was a yeah. massive push to try to get into people's houses. Sky have switched off their 3D channel now. Hmm. That's to have just given up on that entirely. The BBC has admitted it's doing no more 3D experiments, so... That's it for 3D. That was uh, it for 3D TV. It's probably never going to happen now. Well, the TV people were very stupid because, as we've said many times before, 3D cinema was just there to force digital, digital in, yeah. and now, now they don't care either. So, I mean, everything's released on 3D because they can get a few extra quid on the uh, ticket, but uh, there's, no, there's no passion for it at all. And the TV manufacturers thought, oh, yes, then we can show the 3D at home and we'll differ. Please, God, find a way to differentiate ourselves in this uh, low margin uh, market. But they couldn't. So what's next for video games then? Sequels. More sequels of yeah. last year's games. It's all very moribund. I mean, I think PC well, no, gaming is dying. The... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Mm. Yes, Nick. Yes, of course it is. Yeah. Uh, PC gaming is is so huge right now because of indie gaming, and I think well that's the that's the thing. G- gaming's really interesting right now. There's an enormous number of really interesting and good games coming out every year. Only a few of them are coming from the traditional publishers. Um, so how much longer traditional publishers can survive on these very few massive scale hits? Yes. Um, is is to, is to what remains to be seen. Can you know? There's only so long that people are going to accept uh, another annual Call of Duty. Um, and so what, does that, what is Activision without it? And so that's, that's the big thing. Ubisoft announced the new Assassin's Creed game yesterday. Uh, like but hold on, are, ago. They're, they're being a bit silly because when uh, electronics manufacturers uh, or so- other software manufacturers want to uh, keep small contenders out of the market, they just lobby for software patents. And when uh, big, big media wants to uh, keep other people out of the market, they just lobby for very strong um, copyright restrictions and so on. So surely there's something that Activision could do to uh, have the government squash these little silly bedroom folk. <laughs> the problem is how. The the infrastructure already exists, so they could... Uh, there was it's, inter- it's almost a culture of their own creation because there was a trend in the early 2000s 
for um, major publishers to release access to their development platforms so that people could create games with them. They saw it as a money-making opportunity. So, for instance, if you put out your big hit game and then you said, right, we're going to allow people to have access to the, some of the engine tools so they can develop their own mods for these games. Um, but <laughs> in the licensing, in the, the, in the little checkboxes that you tick in order to get access to this stuff, you surrender ownership of anything you create to those publishers. Mm-hmm. So if uh, you, you made a, a, a level for their game... Um, and it became intensely popular, they could then package it and sell it and you would get nothing and they would make lots of money and they thought this was a brilliant plan. But what, of course, it did is create a culture of people creating their own video games. I wonder if there's any truth... I'm making this up as I go along, but I wonder if there's any truth to this, whether they engendered the indie culture by providing the tools, but none of the money. And so the people learned the skills and then went off on their own. Well, also, people then started making um, big independent engines that weren't associated with any particular publisher well that so there that, that's the engine situation is really interesting at the moment because again the opposite of what you would imagine they like are all, unity for example seems well very unity popular. is a great example of that but then the rivals to unity are owned by individuals so you have um the source engine owned by valve you have mm. the unreal engine owned by epic um and you have the crisis engine owned by crytek Yes, so but you have we these various all, big yeah, engines but... that are rivals and uh, competitive rivals to Unity. But because of Unity, what they've all had to do is become free. So the licensing for these various things is actually much better than it ever was. And I think I've forgotten all the details, but at GDC this year, they changed it all. So I think now with Epic, you just have to pay 5% of your gross profits if you use their engine and you're an independent developer. So these, the deals for developers are getting better and better on the back of using these engines. It's, but also it, Valve doesn't care anymore because they don't make games. Well, Valve cares very much about that games get created, even if they're not the ones creating them. Yeah, that's, that's my point. They don't make games anymore. They just need games to be created to, yes. so, that, so that their money factory can continue running. And so this, and their, their source is interesting. Source 2, um, the, the new version of their engine... Mm. Um, is uh, is it's going to be free to license? So you don't have there's no license fee at all. Mm-hmm. You don't have to subscribe to it. So if Unity, you need to subscribe to it if you're a certain team of a certain size. Um, and then with uh, Unreal, you have to pay a percentage of your profits and all these different deals are in place. Valve said no, don't, there's no profit share. There's no there's no charge at all. The only thing you have to do is publish it on Steam. However, mm. you can also publish it elsewhere. So, of course, that, what that means is by providing Source 2 for free to people to use unlim- in an unlimited fashion and then f- and requiring that game then be available on Steam, they will be making 30% back on the sales of that game because that's the cut that Steam takes. Yes. Uh, so they'll be making a far bigger percentage back of on course. the engine than anyone else. Um, th- however, because they're Valve, they are not putting barriers in place to so you have to publish on steam but you could also publish on good old games and um humble if you wanted and so mm-hmm. all you'd need to do is put the game on steam but then inc- not advertise that on your on your site and encourage everyone to go and buy it via humble and then you'd only lose five percent rather than 30 yeah so there are a lot there are ways of getting around this but yeah most people want games on steam and so valve know what valve are smart they know what they're doing also what's interesting about this new generation of engines is that suddenly um pretty much all games released head henceforth are suddenly compatible with linux yes very that, that, that's just funny victoria's huge... been able to get games and things on it suddenly uh, with a steam client and it just kind of works so again that you can credit that to i think you can credit that to valve and to uh humble yeah so unity's work that, that well Unity actually works... no, there is there is somebody else i can credit to bizarrely yeah and that's steve jobs and oh, really? you say what why the reason is um 
act it looked for a long time it looked that everybody would have to use direct x and that was mm-hmm. it that had won then when ios came out ios only used opengl no direct x people suddenly said oh god we 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 have to be able to compile to keep our opengl skills running we still have to compile to it our engines still have to run on it and that kept it running for long enough such that when this next generation of engines came along people could still do it there was a That's there was a moment there was a moment where I think the whole of GL could have gone away and there would have only been DirectX left. And now there is a coalition of everyone but Microsoft working on the new versions of OpenGL, and it's what's running on all it's what's going to run all the Valve stuff in order that it be Linux compatible. So yeah, so Valve got interested in Mac a few years ago and realised there was a huge Mac audience that wasn't being catered for, started making Mac versions of all their games available and then other started yes. following. And then they thought, well, let's have a look at Linux too. Got yeah. there and said, and they they've said they expressed their surprise at this. They found that. All of their games that they've made themselves, their own in-house yes. games, all of them without fail work far better, work significantly better on Linux yes. than any other platform. And they weren't expecting that. And that no, I they weren't. Was- they were. They, I think at the time they said, I think there was even there might have been a talk. Was it Fuzz or somebody else where they came in and said, uh, let Let's go into the effectively let's go into the Mongy Cripple platform and see what help <laughs> we can give it. Ah, uh, pat it on the head, and without any optimizations and with even with some pretty crap graphics drivers, they were shocked that they were running as well as or faster than on their optimized Windows platform. And that's when it suddenly got their attention because they said, if we want to build a platform, this has obviously got to be what we use as the base for it if we're going to build our own. Now, I still don't know whether they are going to end up building their own platform, but it makes sense that they do just to gain that final last bit no, of they independence. Have. Steam OS will be, it already exists, you can download it, and it will be installed on all Steam machines yeah. when they come out this November. Yeah, but I don't think, that, is that going to be any more successful than the OER and all those things, really? It'll definitely be more successful than that because it's not trying to launch itself as um, an and that was Android, and I think that was the massive mistake there. I think so. Yes, um, this is going to be. I, I want a Steam machine, and, I, and you know, obviously, Kindle. What they called Fire? I can't remember, is that what they're called? The the Amazon one. All these yeah. things have existed for years. I've mm. never been tempted to get one. I've got a wheezing old. Uh, Frankensteinian desktop next to my TV downstairs. Yes, um, it's good enough to stream. Uh, from upstairs and I can stream and with uh, Steam you can stream games uh-huh. with, no late- with, that, with decent enough latency to be able to play them so that's fine for that but as soon as this, the Steam thing looks so elegant and because it has comes with everything else yes I'm definitely going to pick one up when, when they yes. become easily available um, yes it makes sense and also it's, it's quite nice for me I'd like to be able to compartmentalise it away from my desktop work machine for sort of the sort of games that Victoria does and she can play it on the big telly which will look nicer anyway and you know it's just an elegant way of just dealing well, exactly. with that and yeah. you can, I will buy the lowest end one available and then just use it to stream off the high end work PC I have in you know gaming PC I have for work yeah, but it'll also come with their interface. It's just be interesting. I want to say though, I do want to defend the uh, say the other big advocate for Linux gaming was Humble, and the reason it worked so well is because when Humble was new and uh, getting into a a Humble bundle was life changing for any develop any independent developer because you were at, I d- it's not the same anymore because they it, it, it's, it's it's sort of ubiquitous spread out a little bit more. But when Humble was brand uh, Humble bundles were brand new, getting into a Humble bundle <clears> guaranteed <throat> you around two to three hundred thousand dollars, if not more. Mm. So obviously if you're a, an indie developer working you know, living on your friend's bedroom living on your friend's floor. Yes. As so many are, having suddenly having a few hundred thousand dollars was was everything. But the only way they would let you into a Humble bundle was if there was a Linux version of your game. Yes. So that was had a huge driving factor to get indies to 
to port their games to Linux properly. Now, Humble Bundles are a different a different thing now, and they don't work quite the same way. And they'll do, they'll happily take games that aren't Linux, that aren't on Linux. But at the start, that was how it worked, and it seemed to it, yeah, I think that was a huge part of it. I guess so. Yes, it, it, it's a, it's interesting how things change. Also, I I think at some point. Microsoft will sign up to this uh, GLE thing anyway because uh, technology by technology they're realizing that there's no point in being obstinate if you if that's not to to your to to their um, benefit. Um, what was weird is a few, a few years ago, uh, a, few, a month ago or so, Debian released its next version and Microsoft mm-hmm. sent an official congratulations, which of course a few <laughs> years ago wouldn't have happened. I think a few years ago they were trying to sue was, Debian off the planet. Well, a few years ago it was you remember it was un-American and cancer. I believe, yes, that's what, right. Yes, what's called cancer. another sending letters of congratulations and <laughs> fealty. So. Is that change of heart or change of staff? Staff and heart, and the fact that, for example, the Microsoft Azure platform, which is this uh, hosting cloud thing that they run, um, uh, there's a huge number of Linux instances that are running on it. So they have to support it as a company now, or the only part of their company that's growing and 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 profitable these days beyond the old stalwarts uh, wouldn't be. So they have to. It's just the way things are. Do you remember so, when they bought Hotmail and then about two or three years later people found it was still running on Linux and they were horribly yes. embarrassed by that? Yes, I remember that. They, they, they wanted to port it to running Exchange and for those reasons they just couldn't. So it was still running Qmail for, for years and years <laughs> and years. Hotmail. Who's a Hotmail account these days? It's, it's a, I, it's, sometimes you get a Hotmail email from a developer and I think, wow, you are indie. That is proper indie. Well done. Hotmail. Wow. Did you ever have a Hotmail? I did. I had a Hotmail before it was Microsoft. I remember. I remember reg, reg, the the library in college. It would have been ninety eight, mm-hmm. where I registered it. <laughs> it's really weird. I have a visual memory of the computer at which I registered for my Hotmail address. Hotmail is still quite old. Uh, by ninety eight, Hotmail was already quite old. I'm surprised. Yeah. No, I was late. Well, I had a CompuServe, you see. CompuServe in 96. Oh, yes, 13299 It is a shame I don't remember my CompuServe number. That's where you emailed me from first, was a, a yes. CompuServe number. Yes. And I think your, uh, if I remember correctly, your from, your from name was Hugh. Yeah, it would have been because it was my dad's account. Yes, I think I thought you were Hugh. <laughs> I didn't bother reading your sign-off. <laughs> Yeah, well, you almost, you almost were, you almost Hugh J.R. Hugh Graham Walker, so you were going to be. Hmm. You ended up not being. It's not, I was going to nearly Graham John Walker. No, Hugh Graham Walker. Oh, for you, as far as you're concerned, you mean? Yeah, yeah, you would have been called Hugh Junior, Hugh J.R. And then <laughs> Toby would have been Hugh the Second, or was it the third? You know no, these no, Americans? The third. It's the third. Yeah, these Americans, sometimes you see on sitcom um, mm-hmm. uh, credits, and it's sort of yes. <laughs> Jimmy John through the third. And I always used to wonder, there's some, some weird aristocracy thing I hadn't realised, which is that people just forgot to think of a new name. You nearly referenced one of my favourite running Burkis Way jokes, was saying, pronouncing third thrid. Oh, really? Yeah, throughout Ooh. the entire series with no explanation, they always pronounced third thrid. I like that. What well, was this Burkis Way? It was a 1970s, we've talked about it before, it we was have. a long time ago. It was a just 1970s remind, remind the listener. Radio 4 uh, comedy programme. Hmm. Um, I would say it was inspired by Python, but it was hmm. what was so confusing about it was that it stars Nigel Reese being funny. Hmm. Um, and a bunch of other familiar people. But here's the problem. (laughs) 
Oh, the these quotations! Is, is, uh, actually, it was, uh, he put the comma one word too late. <laughs> and it's not all that glitters is not gold, it's all that glisters is not gold. Oh, that's very wry. <laughs> the wryest programme on radio. Anyway, any yeah, so who, I thought I'd go any, back uh, Sorry, say, okay, rewind. Any, any who. who. Thank you. I thought I'd go back and listen to it from the start. Uh-huh. Because rather than just the random episodes I've heard here and there. So I got hold of the first few episodes. <laughs> They're super racist. Oh, excellent. Really, and homophobic, like the super creepy, like homophobia stuff. The, the camp gay characters being hated. Ooh. Oh, what oh, is horrible. Why is it called Burkis? The Burkis, it was the Burkis way was a, the, the conceit was a series of self-help tapes. So the Burkis, uh-huh. the Burkis way for dynamic living. Oh, I um, see. But that was a conceit they never, that, the, what's, the show does deserve a lot of credit. They never, the, the conceit didn't even last the first episode. Hmm. Um, and by series in, they, they started with the end credits and then they would conf- have the confusion. They were doing the confusion of the continuity announcer decades before Stephen Fry did it. Oh. Um, and they would mess around with the format in lots of interesting ways. There was, it was a really clever show. But yes, very, those early episodes, a little uncomfortable. Uh, sounds good. You love a good bit of homophobia, don't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's a homophobe when it comes down to it. Even homos. <laughs> Everybody's scared of the homos. And as well we should be, because one day they will rise up and kill us all. (laughs) They will back against the wall, lads. (laughs) Yeah, deary me. Um, Shall I leave you now? I think we've come to a natural end. I think so. So long as um, Toby's all right, we'll we'll say goodbye. So what are you up to today? As your day is only just beginning. I'm going to Chicago. Oh, I love Chicago. Shall I eat something there? Um, as you know, I've never had a deep dish pizza. Maybe you should have a deep dish pizza, isn't it? Okay. Well, the last, not... thing, the last thing about a deep dish pizza is you don't have to eat very much of the crust because you can just eat all the filling. I was going to say. It's, it's, it's like just a big content. pie. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll try one and report back, shall I? Yes, you should do that. All right. Have a lovely time. Same to you. Bye. Bye. Drive carefully. <laughs>